Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of The Big Cruise Podcast. Of course, I am Baz, I'm your host, and in today's show we'll shortly be joined by Chris Frame, and uh, he's going to start off with maritime history before heading into the latest of the cruise news. Now, this week's listener question uh, actually prompted the maritime history because Carol in the UK sent in an incredible question all about a ship that actually was a little bit testing for both myself and Chris, but we did manage to find out some information. We'll get to that in just a minute. Also, just a reminder that the uh, cruise merchandise, the T-shirts, etc., um, they finish up this weekend for international postage uh, to Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada, etc. You do have a couple of extra days if you are in the UK or Europe to still uh, place an order, which will then get to you in time for Christmas. Otherwise, it will uh, not make it to you in time for Christmas, I'm afraid. But, of course, you can start to uh, plan and uh, prepare those T-shirts for any future holidays or future gift ideas that you you may have. And, uh, of course, also to remind you that if you are in any way able to help keep the podcast on air, you can do that via the little link in the show notes called Buy Me a Coffee. You are not physically buying me a coffee. You're physically, it's a, a gesture, a goodwill gesture. It's just like shouting your mate a coffee in the coffee shop. You're doing the same, but the money is helping to uh, to keep the podcast on air. And to those people that have done so already, a very big thank you. And for any of you that are considering it, uh, then uh, take a look and, and see what you think. It's all detailed in the show notes and also on the little app, um, Buy Me a Coffee. But without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Oh, happy holidays! And once again, we welcome our good friend and maritime historian back to the show, Chris Frame. How are you doing? Hey, good to be back again, Barry. Gosh, how these weeks fly past. <laughs> I know, exactly. Almost Christmas. <laughs> oh, don't, don't. It's just scary. We're in December already, which means the Christmas jingles are probably dropping in on this episode as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> you can't walk through the shopping centre now without hearing it. 
Um, <laughs> now, we had a really good listener question this week, which kind of tied in nicely with maritime history. So mm. a listener in the UK by the name of Carol, obviously I sent this through to you earlier to so do a bit of research, but just for the benefit of the, uh, the listeners, um, Carol was asking about a ship that I had never heard of, and I think it turns out you had to do quite a bit of digging to uh, find out <laughs> yes. about this one. Uh, Carol was asking about a ship by the name of the SS Sante, uh, which she put in the... the the year of about 1945, when her father was on board, uh, where she believes they were carrying troops uh, between the UK and Adelaide after World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was asking if you or we knew of any additional information. Uh, did you manage to find anything out? Yes, yeah, so she, she was a very difficult ship to, to get um, any sort of concrete information on. You know, there's so many passenger ships, merchant ships, cargo ships that, that have existed that, um, you know, it's really the ones that have had, uh, um, you know, long sort of histories with the, the big established lines that have the nice um, detailed archives and records. Yes, it was a, a hard ship to find information on this one, Baz, but she did actually exist, the SS Fontaine. She did come to Australia. She was a four-masted, one-funneled liner, um, she was a French ship, and she was actually captured by the British um, after France fell during World War Two. So she looks a little bit different. She's she's quite quite small. I, can't, I couldn't get my uh, put my finger on the exact tonnage, but um, very much from that mast um, configuration, I would say she had quite a heavy cargo um, configuration, cargo capacity, and I imagine she was a bit of a combination. Um, ship based on that which um, in the days before containerization the passenger ships used to carry lots and lots of cargo and some of them were um, more heavily linked towards cargo and the masts could quite often be um, where the cranes were sort of built into so the masts would come out would open up and the cranes would come out and they'd use the rigging and the wiring to help bring things on board the ships Um, you know in in pallets and crates rather than uh, in containers uh, anyway, she was built um, pre-World War II um, and she was a French ship and was actually captured by the British um, from the fr- from uh, once France fell um, during okay. World War II. Uh, she was captured by, by the British and then she was put into service um, running troop services. And where the listener question comes in is that this ship itself was actually used to repatriate Australian um, Royal Australian Air Force servicemen from India back to Australia in firstly in October of 1945. Oh, wow. So um, British crewed ship operating from India to Australia. It was one of the first um, ships to start bringing Australian um, Air Force pilots home uh, following the war. So, of course, it gained quite a lot of um, attention in the local newspapers and that's where you can find um, through the archival records um, photographs of the ship but very little information about her history prior to this particular role which was what makes this one a little bit difficult. Um, She then also visited Fremantle um, operating repatriation services all the way through until 1946. Okay. Um, And so you know, there's this image um, people might have in their minds of the repatriation happening after the war and it being quite quick because we're sort of, well, prior to 2020, we were used to being able to travel around the world pretty fast on aircraft and stuff. But repatriation by ship following the war, it took years in, in some instances to get the, the people, the troops, and then um, all of the displaced uh, families back to, to meet their loved ones. There was a lot of, a lot of that, um, that happened after the war. Um, and... Uh, I believe in the listener question did also ask, um, touch on what would have been done to the ship to convert it into a troop carrier. Um, 
And in that respect, the um, you know th- this ship itself being smaller than some of the other ones we've spoken about, it might have been slightly um, quicker to to convert. But the the general idea behind it was the same, in that the the spaces on board the ship were stripped out from their um, either depending on the, depending on the particular ship, either their passenger um, amenities or if there were a cargo ship that was being converted for for trip trip transport, uh, those spaces would be would be um, cleared out of all of the existing cargoes and machinery, and then um, things like uh, mess halls and um, sleeping areas, bunks and uh, hammocks would have been installed that have been hospital built on board the ship for treating um, those who were sick or, or wounded. Um, there would have been uh, spaces on board for people to have recreation and, and also in some instances the ships had um, areas that were set aside for, for, for training and practice on board for, for the troops. Although um, as the war um, obviously intensified, um, more and more people were being tra- uh, carried on board and there was very little space to do anything really and we've spoken about that uh, in a previous podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, thank you so much for that. I'm sorry it wasn't any like really in-depth information, but the ship did exist. She did operate um, to Australia, and she was notable for that um, for that role in repatriating the Air Force pilots. Yeah, and thanks again, Carol. You've sent some some beautiful uh, pictures, which you have given permission for us to to use. So, if you're keen to see a, an image of the the ship exterior and also some of the crew on board, we'll be sure to put that in uh, today's show notes. And if you, as a listener, have a question or you would like to leave a cruise review, you can do so, of course, by getting in touch via the website, which is exactly what Carol did. And uh, you join, sorry, on the website, you just uh, click on join the show and send through the details. And myself and Chris will do our very best. Uh, to to help answer that for you and to this date we haven't managed to stump chris so uh we've done pretty well this year <laughs> that came pretty close though i must say <laughs> <laughs> no you, you always do well you know where to to go dig in and you've got contacts if you need to so uh, very very much appreciated chris thank you no i appreciate that and i, and I enjoy the challenge so um yeah, it keeps my my brain ticking <laughs> <laughs> now moving on into um more modern news we've got two great good news stories from royal caribbean this week yeah, it's um, firstly, you know, um, in the year of the cruise pause, um, Royal Caribbean is now back at sea. Yay. And um, I know, right? So small steps, of course, that, that sounds, um, you know, like it's time to break out the champagne. And, and in some cases it is, but um, it is a very small percentage of their fleet. In fact, it's the Quantum of the Seas, which is one of their, the leader in the Quantum class of ships, which mm-hmm. is one of their newest classes of ships. In fact, they're still being built and we'll touch on that in a moment um the quantum class but um it's now departed on its cruise out of singapore so they'll be doing uh singaporean cruises for singaporean residents only um on board quantum which is sort of echoing what's been done successfully in places like um taiwan um with dream cruises and a few other places around the world where they're really limiting um the people who come on board to a specific country coming in and out of the same country so you don't have any cross-border movements Um, and for it to be a quantum class ship for Royal Caribbean it's uh, really no quite a um, quite a milestone I suppose they didn't even send one of their smaller ships there it was one of their one of their class leaders I suppose which is great it shows the confidence they have in that um, particular market Uh, and of course on board there's you know lots of changes from what it was like prior to COVID there's the social distancing and all sorts of safety and health and wellness um, procedures that um, have been put in place which we've been speaking about um, for months now you and I Barry so um, exactly um, 
And then on the same, well, not the same note, but on a similar um, vein, another quantum class, um, the latest in the in the um, in the com- in, in this particular style of ship, it's the Odyssey of the Seas, um, and she's under construction currently in Mare Werft in in Papenburg in Germany, a great shipbuilding um, location where some of the you know greatest ships in the world have been constructed and. They're interesting there because they actually build the hull and the main superstructure of the ship in this big, um, enormous, giant sheds to sort of protect them from the from the elements because it's quite cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they float them out out of the shed, and then they do the last things like the masts and the funnel and all that sort of stuff. And so she's just been floated out, and so there's um, you know quite a milestone to see her now out of in the open. Everyone can sort of take in the size and the scale of the ship and uh, the 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 view of her being sort of reversed out of the. Um, uh, of the of the shed is quite something. All that's missing is that kind of beep 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 noise that trucks make. <laughs> um, you see her carefully moving out there with the, with tugboat assistance when she gets out of the out of the shed. Yeah, and when she actually launches, that that journey down the river is quite incredible. When you mm. see these ships uh, do that to get back out into the ocean, it's it's quite an incredible journey. Yeah, some of them do it in reverse as well. Actually, they kind of very. Um, there's lots of waterways and and, and um, turns and stuff to get her out to the open sea. It's uh, it's quite remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, we've had some good, further good news. In fact, I feel like we speak about put-ons every week at the moment, but um, mm-hmm. they've actually launched uh, some additional sailings to, to uh, keep up with the demand of uh, cruising in the Kimberley and cruising in Western Australia. Yeah, I know. Like this is a this is the podcast of surprises. Like cruising in Western Australia, what, what on earth? <laughs> but you know, the the return to cruising in Western Australia is is a thing. It's definitely happening. I know we've spoken about True North as well. Yeah, this weekend for um, True North. Yeah, yeah, this is coming to coming to Fremantle this weekend and starting that. And uh, uh, Panant is is another another brand that's um, you know proving cruising is still very popular here. Um, with their with their voyages, they've actually just announced three new WA cruises, which you can pre-register for. Um, and um, these these voyages are on board their ship La Soleil, um, and she's going to be sailing. Uh, in addition to the you know existing itinerary, there'll be a Darwin to Broome voyage in July of 2021. Then you can go back from um, Broome to Broome to Darwin, and then the ship's also taking in Kimberley and Southwest and West Australian coastal cruises. Um, which will be fantastic. So you can get a real um, treat of experiencing the West Australian coast um, on this, uh, you know, very well-appointed luxury um, small ship. Yeah, no, the Penonta vessels are beautiful. And I think to have a, a, a ship of this type doing round-trip voyages out of Fremantle is going to be incredibly mm. popular. And as you mentioned, it is pre-registration only. You can do that through your, your local travel agent, uh, but they mm. do go on sale as of uh, 15 um, December. Yep. Now, um, on to uh, Norwegian Cruise Line. Uh, mm. What are they uh, they're talking about? We're, we're pretty much a year to the day to when the, the ship returns to Australia, I think. Yeah, so the you know pre-COVID, there was an awful lot of talk about Norwegian Spirit coming down to Australia. So it's now twelve months until she will arrive in Australian waters, um, and she'll be doing a series of voyages out of Sydney, and then also for those of listeners who are in New Zealand, she's going to be going to New Zealand as well and doing cruises out of Auckland. Um, and it's being billed as Norwegian Spirit's first time to Australia, which of course, as Norwegian Spirit, it's true, um, it will be her first time here. But um, the ship itself. Um, has actually been in Australia before, um, and it visited Australia for a, for a season in 2003 when it was sailing as the Superstar Leo, which is how it started its life. I um, did and not the reason know that. why it was in yeah, right. So the reason why it was in Australia, Leo and Virgo, which yep. were, was yep. the um, the sister ship, um, 
the reason why they were here is because of the SARS outbreak in, in that was affecting Asian ports at the time. Um, Star Cruises sent these big ships down to Australia and they did seasons out of Fremantle and, um, and Adelaide, I believe, and, and also on the east coast of Australia. So the ship has been here before. She's never been here for Norwegian cruises before and she's been refurbished just recently but also multiple times since she left um, star cruises as fleet so it'll be basically like a brand new ship by the time it gets here because it's just had a huge big um, refresh and it's got new hull art and all that sort of stuff so um, quite exciting for for people who want to try out the norwegian cruise line experience yeah and as we've touched on before a lot of people do like the the older style of the norwegian ships and the fact that she has mm. had many many millions of dollars spent on it means that you are going to be cruising on pretty much a, a brand new ship but um yeah with the, the the older traditional touches and she's at 77,000 ton size, you know, not too big, not too small. It's just, um, you know, it's an, it's an appealing proposition. So I think it will make, make a, a, quite a mark in the, in the local market. I'm sure she will. Now, um, we spoke a bit about Alaska last week, but this week we're talking mm. about Alaska with celebrity cruises. I know it seems like everybody's uh, in announcing their 2022 <laughs> Alaska um, voyages at the moment. And, and that's, that's, you know, great news for um, people who want to travel to that area and also I suppose the the, the businesses in, in Alaska that rely on the cruise industry. Um, so Celebrity, yes, will be um, voyaging to Alaska in 2022. Um, I believe they're going to be sending three ships um, up. That's right, uh, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's um, Eclipse, um, Celebrity Eclipse, the Celebrity Solstice, and then uh, the Celebrity Millennium. So three, um, you know, three large ships and... Um, uh, fairly new ships in terms of Eclipse and Solstice and the Millennium, I think, has just uh, recently been given a, a refit as well. Um, and you can take um, your pick on voyages between or departing from Vancouver um, or Seattle um, or, um, and, and again, Millennium is doing voyages out of Vancouver. So there's lots of different options there for, for um, both itineraries and departure points. And I think one of the things that they um, did point out, um, Celebrity said, is that all the voyages uh, will include the inside passage, which I think is one of the things that people really want to see when they do voyages to Alaska. Yeah, no, um, we've spent many a time. Alaska is a beautiful part of the world, and um, I would go back again in a heartbeat. Uh, but for those people wanting to know the specifics, uh, Eclipse will be sailing out of Vancouver, uh, Solstice out of Seattle, and Millennium will be doing the one-way voyages between Vancouver and Seward. Fantastic. And um, the grand old lady of Hertie Gruten has um, been retired. Well, yes, retired of sorts, I suppose. And we've spoken quite a bit recently about some of the older cruise ships and how some of them are actually quite old. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned uh, the Astoria, for example, which is over 70 years old and has had lots of lives before her and Marco Polo. But in this particular case here, um, she the, the Hertigruden ship, um, Lofoten, um, she's 60 years old. Yeah. Um, and the ship's been sailing in uh, the Norwegian areas for, for a very long time with Herta Gruden. Um, and she's now planning to go off to become a training ship um, for the Southern Maritime High School. Uh, and so she will leave the fleet in officially in 2021 after partaking in a special farewell voyage, which is going to be really nice for Herta Gruden to be able to sort of have all the fans of this uh you know, they're, I guess they're the grandmother of their fleet, um, uh, to say a, a fond farewell to her. Um, and also um, just to note as well is that they will have an opportunity to to um, lease her back if they ever needed her for, for the future, I believe, um, as well. Um, but she'll be able to now have another life helping train people on how to 
to work and, and live at the sea. And this particular high school's got a long heritage of, of its own um, in, in actually doing that sort of maritime-based uh, training. So that's an exciting future for that ship. Yeah, and she is a very, very loved ship. Um, as, mm. I mean, her Tegrudin is a very unique experience anyway, but to be able to do it on a ship of that age and, you know, they, they still carry the, the menus of that day and the, the mm. uniforms of the staff are still from, from the original period. So it's uh, it's sad to see her go, but this happens and uh, good that she's yep. not disappearing completely, I guess. Uh, for sure. Last thing we want is another, another great old ship going off to, to the scrapyard. So it's nice to see that there's a, a future for her. And I think her is an interesting brand as well because it's not just cruising, but also it's very um, important in connecting um, communities in in norway oh, um where you know road and, and air access just aren't possible sometimes of the year so i think it's it's one of those those brands that um the cruising bit's sort of just scratching the surface really isn't it yeah oh for sure yeah once you once you've done it and seen you know the, the heartbeat mm. of the ship and what happens and how these tiny little communities just they could not survive without the, the ship calling on them and delivering their mail and produce and, yep. and different things it's 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 incredible to, to see it and experience it but speaking of older vessels, um, Fincantieri, which we know and love as the, the big Italian shipbuilder, mm-hmm. they've uh, made an agreement with Mexico. Yes, so Fincantieri is a, a very well-established Italian shipyard, a shipbuilding brand, and it's been around for, for a very long time. We, we, again, you've said we've spoken about it in previous podcasts, so if you want to want uh, the the full history of Fincantieri there, I think you can go back and, and find a previous podcast. But now they're, they're spreading... Um, their, their sort of their reach very far away from their home base um, with a, an agreement to, to uh, build and run a new shipyard in Mexico and that will um, be located in the Yucatan state in Mexico uh, which I guess will just allow them um, to, to further increase their um, you know their uh, impact on the shipbuilding industry because they're they're very very heavily involved in construction of, of cruise ships but they also have a um, a whole heap of other uh, ship types that they look after, from uh, commercial vessels to to military vessels and and, and the like. So, um, uh, you know, seeing it there now outside of Europe, um, opening up in Mexico, that's just a a, a great uh, opportunity for Fincantieri. Yeah, I'm trying to recall. I think there was talks at one point that they were considering a base in China as well, but I don't know if that ever actually eventuated or not. I can't remember. Mm. I'll have to look into that for for a future podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now we're heading over to New Zealand next, and uh, the, the great port of Littleton um, has uh, completed its purpose-built uh, terminal, which I think was uh, damaged previously in the earthquake of Christchurch. From mm. yeah, so they've. Um, I mean, what a year to open it! But I guess it's ready now for the um, for the resurgence of cruising that's expected once the uh, once the COVID. Um, I know, fingers crossed. Once the COVID vaccine is is distributed and things return to some form of normality, um, they'll be all ready for 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 cruising. And of course, New Zealand, just like Australia, uh, and just like so many other places around the world, um, you know, Europe and, um, and America and Britain has has up until this year experienced an enormous cruising boom. Um, so for cruise ports to be prepared for for the resurgence is is good news. Um, so they've officially opened their new cruise facility, and this one is. Um, you know, notable because, of course, New Zealand has, has quite a, um, a strong um, environmental conscience, mm-hmm. and um, this particular design is a low emission design because they've um, 
they've looked very carefully at how much concrete and steel was used in the construction of the of the terminal um, to reduce the carbon footprint from that from that perspective as well. So yes, once cruising resumes and you're going into Littleton, which is the port that you often call into for visits to Christchurch, um, you'll be able to see this this new terminal and uh, and 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 visit it with a, a clean conscience because of its uh, lower emission design. Yeah, and if uh, the listeners have never considered a cruise to New Zealand, highly recommend it. Every port is very very different, all offering different things to see and do from the. The Art Deco to the uh, traditional um, native landscape, etc., and of course mm. the Maori heritage. So, uh, highly recommend a, a cruise to New Zealand myself. And we're going to finish off with some great news from the team at Princess. Yes, I know you're a big fan of the, uh, this particular um, technology, Baz. I, I've never personally experienced it myself, but uh, Princess is known um, on some of their ships, at least, for their medallions, which is a you know, a, a contactless way to communicate with the, with the ship in terms of accessing your cabin, boarding the ship, purchasing um, items and that sort of thing kind of does away with the traditional um, old-fashioned cruise card and some of those more lengthy security um, checks on the embarkation. Um, and they're now going to be rolling this out across the entire fleet um, of ships. So 2021, all of the Princess ships will have the medallion technology on board. Which is brilliant because, you know, obviously we're going to need to be able to track and trace and do things as we come out of uh, COVID and just to have this technology already existing and just being able to be rolled out during this quiet time is incredible. As, as we said before mm. on the podcast, I'm a big believer in it. I was a little bit skeptical when I went to try it for the first time, but I've uh, I've seen for myself that people who didn't want to partake and would opt for the, the old-fashioned cruise card, within a few yep. days, they, they see the benefit, they see the value and the, the uh, of what it can bring to your cruise uh, by having the medallion and very very quickly convert over so uh, exciting so is it optional is it it is up well it was optional um yeah. but i think moving forward due to the fact that it can track and trace i think yeah sure. post covid it will probably be um an enforced uh part of, of wearing it when you're on the ship and around the ship um and yep. it does add so much value i mean we can stand and talk about it here for about half an hour but even talking about it until you experience it and see what it can do and make your life so much easier and the cruise life so much easier. It's, um, yeah, you've got to experience it to, to, to become a true believer like me, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm forever losing my cruise card, so it's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so which pocket did I put it in? Is it my jacket? I don't know. Like, <laughs> so it sounds like it would make that, that part of it a little bit easier. Yeah, exactly. Now, Chris, have we got anything out on socials or about to come out on socials this week? Yeah, so next week um, I'm going to be doing a bit of a, a 2020 wrap-up as we come towards the end of the year, looking at sort of all of the big milestones that um, we've seen in terms of where the current fleet of ships are laid up, which ships have now by the end of the year gone to scrap and which what's happening to the ships that are still under construction and where they're being sort of stored awaiting for the, um, the rebirth. Because a lot of ships that were due to come out in 2020 – um, and, and early 2021, which have you know we've touched on in previous podcasts, have been delayed or postponed, or um, nothing's been cancelled as far as I'm aware. But <laughs> um, there's like definitely a changed timeline, and some of them have actually been built and are now laid up, and all sorts of other things. So just sort of like one final um, big sort of look at the cruise industry for 2020 before we hopefully start um, a whole series of positive news stories next year. <laughs> too right. And probably a good point to mention to the listeners, only two more episodes after this one 
uh, the one that you're listening to for the podcast for this year, but we will be back very early in 2021. So we've still got time to answer any questions you want. Send them through. We'll be happy to have a, a quick look at them uh, for you. Chris, as always, I'll pop your links into the show notes. Uh, thank you very, very much. Thanks so much, Baz. And I was just thinking, one of the things that we really enjoyed doing, of course, with the um, podcast was the the cruise reviews. Yeah. Um, and now with a few places opening up, like Penant and, uh, um, you know, uh, Singapore and yep. Singapore and uh, and all that. But if you've been on a trip in in Taiwan, if you've done any of the European cruising, something out of twenty twenty would be really interesting. If not just because I, mean, I haven't been on the ship since March, but I think a lot of people would be interested to know what um, what it was like to travel this year. So if you've been yeah. on it, definitely reach out. Yeah, get in touch. It's very easy to to do the cruise review, and uh, we won't bite. So we make it very easy for you. And, uh... <laughs> very very gentle. <laughs> a pleasant experience, I promise you. Chris, mate, thanks again. Uh, we'll speak to you next Friday. Thanks so much, Baz. Oh, it's Father Christmas here. Are you on my naughty or nice list this year? Still time to change that, you know. Ho ho! Come on, Rudolph. Did I mention there's a little way you can help keep this uh, podcast on air? That's right, just for the cost of a coffee, uh, so about four Aussie dollars, about two pounds something, about two euros something, um, you can make a donation and that helps uh, keep the lights on and keep the, the podcast uh, producing in, the, in this weekly format. Um, or you can join up as a member and make a, a monthly uh, subscription and in return receive some incredible um, bonus material as well. Um, all the details are on the show notes of each individual podcast or you can head to uh, the website buy me a coffee forward slash the big cruise pod. And uh, we look forward to uh, shouting you out if you are able to, uh, to make a little donation. Thanks in advance. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.